Well, we are launching a brand new series today, and it's called If Only. Have you ever said that? Oh man, if only what, right? You know, we, we have these either dreams or regrets sometimes, like if only I hadn't done that, if only I didn't. Or we look at the future and go, if only this would happen and that. But it's this kind of hope-filled and regret-filled statement that, that's often been made. And I think we've all said it at some point. I mean, think about it. Those moments where you go, if only I made a little bit more money, things would be so much easier, right? If only. If only, here you are sitting in a service and you didn't get a coffee when you came in and you're a little tired. If only I'd gotten a cup of coffee before I came in here. Because now this guy's gonna talk and talk and talk. And I, what do I, if only I had some coffee. If only Dallas had a better quarterback like the 49ers, you know? See, see it's, it's just living with regret, right? It's just living with regret. If only the Dodgers could have made it through the, no, I won't even go there. But you know, all those things that we, we do, and, and we can have fun with that, right? And we can, we can joke about it. But the truth is, is that it can get a lot more serious, can't it? Some of you are, are maybe even thinking about your marriage that has been hurtful and exhausting at times. And you maybe look at your spouse and maybe you've had this thought, if only I had a different spouse things would be different, right? Life would be different, life would be good, right? And we struggle through that. Or we look at our past and think, if only I hadn't messed up my life, if only I hadn't made that decision, if, if only I had taken a, a different path, right? We, we live with that regret. Or only, if, I could only, if only I could overcome my struggle or my addiction or this, this habit that seems to get the best of me, if only, if only, if only. And I think there's a part of us that it's kind of like this universal cry in our, in our human heart because all of us wish for a better world, a better life, a, a better self in here. And in that is this cry for, for wholeness because we've been wounded and in some ways divided and torn apart. And it's like, if only there could be healing in that, if a desire really for some kind of change or things to at least be better than they are. See, our if-onlys reveal some of the deepest longings, the deepest regrets, but also the highest hopes, things we wish we could change about the past that would have left to a different present, or desires and hopes for the future that could cause a different outcome in our entire life. And the truth is, is that all through the Bible, you can read about these biblical people, like real people, flesh and blood people that, that lived you know, long before us, they had their if-onlys too. The people of Israel who were, who were wandering around the desert after coming out of, out of Egypt actually had a statement. They said, God, if only you'd have just wiped us out rather than bringing us here. They thought destruction would have been a better outcome than this wandering in the desert. And they had their if only, God. The book of Job, if you've read about him and some of the travails of his life, he cried out, if only God would have done this or this or this. He had all of these questions about what could have been. King David wrote over and over in the Psalms, if only God would wipe out my enemies, right? If only God would do that, life would be sweet, right? I wouldn't have problems, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have conflict. If, if only my heart would stay true to God, David wrote as well. And if you know the story of Mary and Martha in the New Testament, they had a brother named Lazarus who uh, got sick and died and they called for Jesus to come. 
And the Bible says that Jesus actually waited in this place and then finally came. And if you know the end of the story, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, did this amazing miracle. But when he showed up on the scene, both Mary and Martha said, if only you'd been here. I mean, they didn't know the outcome. All, all they knew is, if only, if only you'd been here, things would be different. Or I'll give you one more. If you know the account in scripture where there's a woman and she has uh, an issue of bleeding and she's been shunned by her family, shunned by culture at large, and there's this crowd that's following around Jesus. I mean, they're packing in close. And she says this, if only I could just touch the edge of, of, his, of his cloak. Like, if only I could do that, I know something would happen. And if you know the story, she comes up and she somehow gets into, I don't know how she does it, but somehow gets down and touches the edge of his cloak. And the Bible says that she's instantly healed. And Jesus stops and he says, somebody touched me. And the disciples who are all around him are looking at the crowd that's pressing in. They're going, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Like, like, what do you mean somebody touched you? He goes, no power went out from me. And he stops and has this conversation with the woman. But she has this hope for the future. If only this, if only I could get close to Jesus, things could change. And so we're gonna dive into this over these next weeks. And this series really flows out of our last series that we just finished called The Bible Doesn't Say That, where we were looking at beliefs that spring out of statements that we think are scripture but really aren't. And if you missed any of that, I would encourage you to go on YouTube, our YouTube channel, and you can watch that. But so many of these belief systems that we looked at during that, during that series kind of centered around us putting our hope and our trust in either ourselves or in things or in other people or situations instead of in Christ and in him alone. Like we wanna somehow figure things out and be strong enough or wise enough or, or good enough or whatever it takes and yet really what it comes down to is Jesus. And so in these next weeks, we're gonna dive deeper into those things and discover the truth about where we find contentment and where we find satisfaction and where we find true life. If you're there in John 10, I want you to look at verse 10 and maybe you've heard this before. But this is Jesus talking, and I'm gonna read it in a little different translation, so whichever one you have, you'll, you'll catch the same thing. But here's what Jesus said, he goes, a thief, and he's talking about Satan, our great enemy here, has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Some versions say steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not just physical, it's like steal away our joy and kill our marriages and destroy our family. I mean, you can just go right down the line. Anytime you see those, those elements at work, it's the enemy at work. So he says, that's what the enemy is all about. That's his mission statement, that's his vision for you, is to ultimately destroy you. And then Jesus said this, but I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. S some versions say life in abundance, that he's come to give us real life, more than we could have anticipated. So our enemy wants to steal away what God has placed in you and what God desires in you. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your hope, your very life, but Jesus desires you to walk in abundance and in life overflowing. 
So we're gonna look at some of these if-onlys that we hold on to that are robbing us, stealing from us the life that Jesus has for us in all of its abundance. And today we're gonna look at how we bring our if-onlys to relationships. Now relationships affect all of us. Every single one of us have differing relationships in our lives. And we know that these relationships are important and we talk about them a lot here at New Life. You saw a video for life groups right there. That's about living in friendship and relationship that moves us closer to God. And relationships are where we find significance and where we find security. But more than anything, relationships are where we find love. And God has, has created us with this innate inner desire, and more than just desire, this, that we are complete in him. And we were designed that way, to only be complete in him. So there's this kind of God-shaped void in our life that needs to be filled only by him. And yet relationships, often we often try to put them in there to fill that and we end up being empty and struggling. And I'm sure all of us have been at those points before where we're trying to just make it work and it doesn't seem to go. It's because we've got the wrong thing trying to fill the void in our life. So when, when our kids were little, and now with a grandson, we have them again. You know these wooden puzzles that like, it's like the first level of puzzle. And I can think of the one we have, it's like barnyard animals. And so you've got the cow and you got the sheep and you got the horse and maybe a chicken or a rooster and a pig or something like that. And each piece, it's like a one piece thing. It's like, here's the cow. It's got the picture of the cow. And when you take the cow out of the slot, there's a picture of the cow in the slot. It's like, Puzzles 101, right? This is where it all starts for kids. But have you ever watched little kids do it? Like, oh, we've watched our, I've watched our grandson, and it's like, you know, he's trying to put it in there. It's like, dude, that's the pig. The horse is not gonna fit in the pig, you know? And, and, and you know, they keep slamming on it. You know, sometimes they'll even smack it down a little bit. And it's like, doesn't matter how hard you hit it, the horse is not fitting into the pig slot. You know, it just doesn't work. And then you kind of keep going, keep going. They get to, like, hey, now you're in the horse slot. But now you've got the piece turned upside down, right? If you watch kids do this, you know, they're trying to, and finally they start edging it around and it's like it goes into the slot. Like, yes, you got it in. You got the piece in the right spot. And we see kids do those puzzles and none of us here are doing those puzzles, right? That's for little kids. But as adults, we struggle with a similar kind of concept. We, we try to find relationships that will fill the void in our heart for purpose and significance and love. And we keep trying and trying and trying. And we find ourselves frustrated and empty. And we keep trying to make a relationship fill that place in us because we're trying to find someone who will perfectly meet our needs. And maybe then we'll be content. And maybe then we'll be happy. And maybe then life will make sense. If only we had the perfect relationship, life would be different. And what's so amazing is that so many of us keep thinking that, man, that's the missing piece. If we just had that. 
But the problem is when those relationships are over, we move on to the next one, even though we start seeing that this isn't going to meet our needs. And I'm telling you, this is not just romance. Now it can be that, boyfriend, girlfriend, it can be spouse, but it could be a family connection. It could simply be a close friend in our life, but we're looking to fill that space that hasn't been filled. In the Bible, Solomon, who was considered the wisest person ever to live, struggled with this very concept. The wisest person, and yet he's still trying to figure this out. The Bible says that he tried in everything under the sun, it says, to fill the void in his life. And so he actually wrote a journal about it, and this journal is called the Book of Ecclesiastes. And in this book, he said things like this. I said to myself, I said to my heart, come now, let's see what might fill up this place in my life. And the rest of his life, he spent trying to fill that. And at the end of his journal, this book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said this, you know what I discovered? It's all meaningless. He used this phrase, it's like chasing the wind. You try and you try and you try and there's nothing you can do because you can't cram the wrong piece into a puzzle space and you can't use the things of this world to fill the God-shaped place in your soul. Solomon finally wrote this in the book of Proverbs. He wrote this, what a person desires is unfailing love. What you and I are longing for and looking for is a love that will never fail, will never disappoint, will never leave us wanting, will never abandon us. It's what we're, we're longing for. But as the song says, we tend to go looking for love in all the wrong places, right? <laughs> there are millions of books about love and romance and we can watch the newest movie about a love story, tens of thousands of songs about love. I even looked some of them up. So here's some titles. All you need is love. Love makes the world go round. Love is a many splendored thing. Love is a crazy little thing. Love hurts. Sometimes love is a shack, baby. You can't hurry love. Love is a battlefield. Love is like a heat wave. We even sing along with the songs, right? How's that classic? Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no wide enough to keep me from loving you, right? We know the words. And yet when you step back a moment, you step back a moment and you read the words, you go, oh, I think you need a restraining order. I mean, that, <laughs> like it just gets a little, a little crazy, you know? And, and yet Solomon had something different in mind. He said, what we all desire is an unfailing love. So. Maybe today is the day that God wants you to take a close look at your relationships and see what's really true and maybe where God wants to break in and speak truth to you this morning. To move from the if only I had relationships that could save me to recognizing that the only relationship that will truly bring you life is with Jesus Christ. Maybe your relationships have been marked with an almost compulsive desire to please others. You've been living in really a codependent place and you strive and you work so hard to make sure everyone is happy and yet your own heart, your own life feels empty. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you think that all the relationships you're in are there to simply please you and what you want and what you can get. 
And maybe your needs are so deep and your longings so incomplete that you attach yourself to people hoping that they'll supply what you need. And what happens is, is that you drain them and they can't do that. And you've looked in your life and it's like, you know, everyone who gets close to me ends up kind of running away because the truth is they don't have enough to meet your needs. And maybe this is like these aha moments when you go, that's kind of me. Maybe you've been disappointed because of someone's lack and shortcomings. Maybe you're in a home or you grew up in a home where your parents simply lacked the ability to love you well and to care for you like you needed. And I just wanna say, I'm just so sorry. We've all been in places where, where relationships have failed us, I get that. Maybe you're in a marriage where your spouse's control has left you empty and dry and void of life. Maybe today you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and their own self-centeredness is demanding from you things that you don't want to give and you know you shouldn't give, but you find yourself compromising who you are and what you believe in. And maybe some of these sound familiar to you. Maybe for some of you, this, this is your story. But I just wanna tell you this, you are not alone today. You're, it's lots of us. And I know we think if, if only it could be different and God wants to tell you today, it can be different. It can change. He wants to break in and rescue and speak truth and life to you. So here's the reality of our if only struggle. There are things that are out of sync and out of alignment in our lives and in our relationships. Things that are missing. And our misplaced hope, our if only things were different, isn't the answer for us. There's something more. So I'm going to give you three things today. I want you to write these down. The first is this. God gives me a gift in relationships. God gives me a gift in relationships. So I hope all of the, the pre-message here that I was just talking to you about didn't leave you with a place where you said, okay, so God hates relationships and he only wants, no, 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 no. God loves relationship. He is built around relationship. The, the ultimate relationship is the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The perfect, we don't even know how to describe that, but it's the perfect thing, right? The perfect union. And so God made us for relationships. They are a good thing but God never intended relationships to leave you wounded and wanting. Relationships were meant to be a gift from him. And I think we all get that at some level, that's what we want. But rather than looking to social media or the latest streaming show to guide us, there's something that's way more reliable. And so we go to the Bible. And the Bible shows us relationships that fail. The Bible shows us relationships that succeed. And God shows us over and over and over again the truth about relationship, not just gossip, not just feel-good tips, but how to thrive and really live. And God says, listen, you were made for relationships, but it's what you're expecting out of those relationships. It's what you're, you're hoping that they will be, those if-onlys that get you off on the wrong track. When you start with the primary relationship and you have that in order, then, then right relationships will flow out of that. At the very beginning, here's what, here's what happened. God looked at Adam. There was no Eve at this point, just Adam, his first creation. And the Lord God said this, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
And I don't want you to get all kind of off in the, wait, was she just a helper? No, no, no. He was creating a union, a relationship that, that was healthy and strong. And God had good things in store for us when it comes to relationship, that we could find friendship and connections and empathy. And you know how I know the relationships from God are, are meant to be a gift? Is that relationships help me to know God more and love God better. Relationships that are healthy uh, help me understand who I am in God's eyes. Now, I know that's not always easy and it's not always smooth and it's not always conflict-free. In fact, sometimes God uses the difficulty of relationships to refine us and to grow us. But in the midst of that, these gifts of relationships allow God to work in me. One of the things you've heard me say in the last series, we talked about it a lot, is that nothing is wasted. So even relationships where there's struggle and there's conflict going on, God wants to teach me something. God wants to to show me something. God wants to grow something deeper in me, even through the challenges of that. But even stepping back and looking, it's like even that becomes a gift from God. Do I see it that way? So here's my question. Are the relationships in your life gifts? See, I have people in my life who encourage me, who challenge me, who hold me accountable, who speak truth into my life, I have people who will hold the mirror up so I can see the reality of who I am in God's eyes. I'm not less when I'm with them. I'm richer, but I'm not looking to them to be the one and only, the only place of fulfillment in my life. They flow out of my primary relationship with Christ. Write this down for number two. I can dig deep into my relationships. Now, when relationships wound us and take from us, we're often left in this internal struggle because we want relationships to be a gift, fulfilling the if only that kind of resonates within us, but sometimes the struggle leads us to asking some of the most basic questions of identity. And maybe you've been here. You've been in a relationship and it's kind of going sideways. Now, again, this can be friendship, family, your parents, your spouse. Um, It can be a whole host of things. But maybe in these relationships, you, you step back and you go, I don't know who I am anymore in this relationship. I've somehow lost myself, or even this. How did I become this person in the relationship? Like what, like what happened here? So then we go to the if onlys. If only someone could fix this. If only someone could fulfill me. If only I could find my true self in this relationship. Now, in the Old Testament, in uh, Judges chapter 16, you don't need to turn there, but there's a story you've probably heard before, and it's the story of a guy named Samson, and we generally know it as Samson and Delilah. And we know that Samson was the strong man who was able to do these incredible feats and like, really, it was crazy. and when you, when you ask people, and if you ever see any of like kids' Bible videos or kids' Bible stories, they always show Samson as like, he's just like ripped, he's like super strong, he's got like muscles on top of muscles. But I'll tell you, I am fully convinced that Samson looked like a regular guy. And the reason is, is because every time he did something, people would go, how in the world does this happen? And they even asked Samson, what gives you your mighty strength? And you know, if you know the story, he said, well, it's, you know, it's this or that. He came up with all these different answers, but none of them were true. But if he really was like this superhuman, strong, like 
incredible Hulk kind of guy. People would go, well, that's how he does it. He's just strong, but they couldn't figure it out. So I think he looked just really regular. And we know that the Bible says it was the spirit of God who gave him his strength. But he enters into this relationship with Delilah and it is a toxic relationship. And here's the bottom line kind of of the story. Samson lost his identity. He forgot who he really was, who God had called him to be. And so he would toy around with Delilah, but ultimately he lost the things that matters most. He lost this close connection to God that he had built his whole life around. He lost the, the traits and the commitments that had marked his entire life, the things he had said, I am committed to this, those all went away. His weaknesses got exploited, he was lulled into a false sense of security, and in the end, the loss left him blind and imprisoned, having lost the purpose that God had created him for. He literally lost everything. And if we're not careful, relationships can steal from us all that God has made us to be and all that God desires for us. To know who we are as this unique and wonderful creation by God, this, this true self, the true me, the true you. You see, relationships were meant to be this gift from God, but never to take the place of God. And when they do, we're left empty. God is not to be missing in your life because a great relationship has all of a sudden shown up. Friendships, boyfriends, girlfriends, spouse, we try to make them fill what they were never meant to fill. But sometimes stepping back and digging deep and taking inventory can move us from being robbed in relationships to being enriched. So I wanna give you a few questions to maybe navigate through this, to help you evaluate. They're on your sheet there if you'll look at them. The first one is this, do I like the person that I am in this relationship? See, a great way to gauge this is to ask the godly people in your life that you trust. Go, it, is this the real me that you're seeing in this relationship? Now, it's not a question you ask anyone. This is not a question for the people you work with or that you go to school with, but godly people who you trust who will speak the truth to you. Do I like the person that I am or do I like the person I'm becoming in this relationship? The second question is this, does this person want the best for me? Or is the person that you're in a relationship, are they threatened by you? Or are they out for what they want? Do they take advantage of you? Do they use you or abuse you? And if your honest answer to that is, yeah, they do, then just like when you see that Samson story, and when you're reading it, you go, dude, you need to run. You need to get out of that. If you're seeing those same things in your life or if godly people are going, I, I, something, something's off in this, I would encourage you to run. Now, I'm gonna come back to that in just a second because there's a little caveat to that, but you need to run in that. Here's the third question. Do I find myself compromising standards that I know are best for me? Or maybe another way of saying it is, in order to gain acceptance or approval, am I playing kind of loose with what really matters? Do you find yourself justifying actions that you know are wrong just so you won't lose the relationship? Are you going further sexually than you ever thought just because of pressure? Or are you participating in activity where you have to silence your heart, silence your conscience, and silence the Holy Spirit because you're so afraid of losing the relationship? And I would tell you this, listen, 
If that person really cares about you, they won't pressure you to compromise. In fact, they'll help strengthen your convictions. They'll help strengthen what you know is right and true. If they really care about you, they will encourage you to be the person of God that you desire to be. The fourth question is this, does this relationship enable me to become the person that I'm created to be? It should, it should take us there. Some of the easy things we sometimes look at is like if you entered into a relationship and maybe you are really, man, every day you were having time with God or maybe not every day, but at least consistently and you were coming to church and you felt yourself growing spiritually and you entered into a relationship and now you never do those things. You rarely come to church. You rarely find yourself having time with God. So you have to ask yourself, what happened? What, was, what am I trying to fill my life with? And I don't say this to shame anyone. I'm not trying to pour on the guilt. It's just that honest uh, kind of deep question that we have to dig into and go, what, what is it in me that's, that's really going on? Now I wanna come back to that run statement that I made a few minutes ago because Many of us here in this room are in some non-negotiable, if I wanna put it that way, relationships, right? You're married, and so you made a commitment, you made a vow, you made a covenant. Maybe it's the relationship with your parents or the relationship with your children. And yet as we went through these questions, uh, some of those answers you may say aren't, aren't really healthy, and maybe you heard me say run, but you go, ah, how in the world do I run? Run isn't really an option in this. So if you find yourself in that deficit space and you're playing that, if only this was different, if only I had different parents, if only I have different children, if only I had a different spouse, what do you do? Well, I, I think number one, you pray. Number one, you pray. And the second, I'll go back to one of the other questions. You surround yourself with wise, godly people, and I'm gonna add this part, of the same sex, who really know the truth about you and can speak that truth to those places where God really does see the best in you and has hopes and desires for you. Does that make sense? Because what happened, and the reason I said of the same sex is, especially in marriage, if we're struggling in that relationship, to turn to someone of the opposite sex and pour out your heart, you're building a bond with that person that is not gonna help your marriage. So you find those of the same sex who are godly in wisdom and, and have, have walked with the Lord to say, what is it that you see in me? And help me walk through this together. See, you're maybe at a loss in one area of your life, but God wants to fill that deficit with his riches in other relationships. And who knows, you may see God work in ways you couldn't have imagined, redeeming hard relationships, restoring marriages. I've seen it over and over again. Also, if you find that the loss is going deep, you may need to seek out some additional resources and help. Maybe you need to see a counselor. We have an amazing counselor here, Mar Marilyn Schroyer, uh, on our staff. And if you need to see someone temporarily, she can do that, give you some other resources. Maybe someone to help with reconciliation or restoration, but don't give up because it leads to the ultimate answer that we need to take hold of, which is number three, write this down. A relationship with God is the perfect fit. A relationship with God is the perfect fit. We keep saying, if only I had the right relationship, if only it was different, if only it was with better people, then I would be fulfilled and content. And we put too much emphasis on one person, one man, one woman to meet all of our needs. And I want you to hear this. Nobody can do that except God himself. 
There's no one person who can meet all your needs. There's no one person who can be your savior and your rescuer and your all in all. No one was designed to do that because we are all imperfect. God is the only one that can fit that God-shaped void in your life. There was a movie that came out a, a number of years ago and uh, there were several quotes in this movie that were quote worthy. And so I wanna quote the infamous philosopher, Jerry Maguire, because um, <laughs> there were three key things in this movie, uh, key lines that have kind of been on the quotable quotes. The first is, show me the money. The second is, you had me at hello. And the third line is when Tom Cruise looks at Renee Zellweger and says, you complete me. And everyone went, oh. And it is absolutely a lie. It is, it, it's a lie. Because there's no one who can complete you. No one was designed to complete you. No one can be in that role. Gina and I have been married for 37 years and we have never had a song or a book or a movie about our life. I think there's one in production, but I'm not sure. Um, we, we've just had each other. And, and I, I wanna just honestly tell you this. I, I love her to the depths of my heart. I know that she is one of God's greatest gifts to me, but she doesn't complete me. She has, God has used her to make me a better man. She enriches my life, and I can tell you that I am incredibly blessed. But she doesn't complete me because she can't complete me. And, and she can't be Jesus in my life. And if you were to talk to my wife and you were to ask her the exact same question, she would tell you that I don't complete her either. I can't fill the God-shaped void in her life, nor am I supposed to. It's God's job. The problem is, is that we have these expectations that someone will, and we will always be disappointed, and we will always come up short because to expect another person a relationship to fill that godlike void in your life is setting up a relationship to fail. It's unfair and it's unrealistic. It leads you to the if onlys that reveal some of the deepest longings, deepest regrets, and highest hopes. Things we wish we could change about the past that would have allowed for a different present. But here's what God says. He says, come to me and I will fill that place in your soul. I will complete you. I will be your strength and your supply. So he says, come, be with me and let your life with me enrich every other part and relationship in your life. He's the one that makes all those other relationships come into focus. There's a passage in Psalms 27. I wanna read this to you in closing. And this is, over the past couple months, has been a passage I've come back to again and again. I've read it to friends. Uh, I've been on Zoom calls with people and said, I want you to hear this and read this. So I want you to hear it today. These are King David and he's writing these words. And he's, he's, he's saying this to God. He says, my heart has heard you say, God, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming, I'm coming. But God, do not turn your back on me and do, do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now and don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. 
So teach me how to live, O Lord, and lead me along the right path. I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. So wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I love, he says, you know, God's saying, hey, come, talk with me. He's inviting us in close. And David says, my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. So here's the question. Are you ready to come to him? When life and relationships have left you longing for wholeness and fulfillment, a desire for change, for things to be different, better than they are, the answer is not a wish for if only. It's a relationship with the one, Jesus, who's eternally faithful, who's constant, and who's good. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna take just a moment as we finish to give you an opportunity to respond today. (laughs) It would be unfair to go through all this and say, hey, I hope this works out for you. But instead today I wanna say, would you be willing to come to Jesus to find forgiveness and life and fulfillment and hope all in him? It does mean you have to let go of your pride, let go of your sin and take hold of his forgiveness and what he offers. Man, it's more than you could imagine. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and ask everyone to pray it with me. But if you're sitting here right now and you go, Dave, I've been looking for love. I've been looking for unfailing love in all these relationships and I'm empty. But today is the day I wanna come to Jesus. If that's you today, no one's looking around. Would you just raise your hand? Say, yeah, that's me. I wanna come to Jesus today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you in the back. Yeah. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Just say these words out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying on the cross to bring life to me. Forgive me of my past. Set me free. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to wait patiently for you as we just read. And Lord, as you say, come, come to me, we'll say, I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming. And Lord, in you, we would find all that we have been longing for. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me? If you prayed that prayer today or you took that step of faith, I wanna encourage you to text this word decision to that number and you'll get a text right back and it will just kind of guide you in these first steps of following after Jesus. Don't miss out on that because God has good things for you. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for being here today and joining in for all that God has. Don't forget, if you'd like to volunteer for our harvest, go back there, sign up. Lee and Becky Wisdom are just to the right there. Hey, thanks for being here today. Have a great weekend. You're dismissed.